This is Larry Zerner, Shelley from Friday 13 Part 3. You're on Nightmare Junkhead. Hey, genius, fuck you too. of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that would choose a hungry heifer over a wall burger every single time because at the hungry heifer we won't give you a bum steer my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're taking stock at some of the movies seen and the memories made at this year's Panic Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And whether or not you've chugged a Buzz Cola, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your memory hole. I was thinking you'd have to go a biscuit hole at this point. See, I was thinking that too. I was just hoping, like, I don't, I would hoping it wasn't like, get off their biscuit hole. <laughs> you know? Better the biscuit hole than the cat hole. Exactly. So uh, we've got. Feline uh, shenanigans going on on social media. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Check us out on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and cat nanigans. <laughs> and as this episode is releasing on Friday, May 13th, if you're in the Kansas City area, just go to screenland.com where you will find they have your feline shenanigans taken care of indoors and virtually. And. We're back. Yes. Friday Night Frights does return, and as it's returning on a Friday the 13th, we're of course mm-hmm. going to be playing something from that franchise. We've got to go to Crystal Lake. And the one that we're going to be uh, uh, you know, taking in, I'm going to give you a hint, two words. Fuck Shelley. <laughs> that is right. A film that actually competed... In this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. Didn't go very far. That's not saying that's a bad movie, but fuck Shelley. And guaranteed, it is a favorite of many people out there. Uh-huh. We are going to be watching Friday the 13th Part 3, possibly in 3D? Maybe. Well, we're exploring the we're options. We're seeing what we can do, but at de- we're definitely going to show Friday the 13th Part 3, whether we add that extra letter at the end. Exactly. Is... is TBA. Well, and what even better was when we played the trailer at the very last Friday Night Fright, and every time it was like, Friday the 13th, 3D. Not, <laughs> not really. Not really. M- possibly, but probably not. <laughs> so we might be doing that. Right. Regardless or not, please come out and We're check it out. We're going to have a good time. Oh, it is going to be a blast to come back. Now, then the following Friday Night Fright. Ooh, make sure you get your action hairpiece ready. And also the hat that doesn't jiggle too much. <laughs> exactly. And another film that was actually an honorable mention in this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament and should be say was originally slated to compete, mm-hmm. Dario Argento's Tenebrae. Ooh, a nice big slice of giallo. And contains probably one of his best oners. Yeah. When he goes in from the building into the building. Oh, it is rad. It's got it that is amazing a... goblin, goblin <laughs> the score. The score is uh, so slick. And like you said. John Saxon. Wearing his uh, literary agent toupee. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. great. It is just wonderful. Chef's kiss on that side. Now, the other repertory screening that's going on the weekend of the 13th 
is a movie that legit is actually sadly kind of timely mm-hmm. this time of the year. In fact, Andover, Kansas just ran into a tornado. Yeah. So we'll possibly maybe even be raising some money possibly. Uh, we're going to be watching Yondabon's Twister. Ooh, watch watch out for flying cows. Which, weirdly enough, you know how they used to make the, the, the Towering Inferno and earthquake they don't it, make a lot of disaster movies anymore no like because Poseidon adventure yes yeah because you would get With like all star studded cast ensemble genre actors now it's kind of scaled down and it's very and then even when you have big ones like independence day mm-hmm. right or godzilla mm-hmm. you know like n- not the not the new new one but the roland emmerich one oh yes I that are that supposed one. to be like disaster films it still doesn't seem as big in scale and massive i think because you don't have that cavalcade of actors if you had like like what they're doing in like genre films like like mystery like all those new hercules perot oh yeah given that they're having to put players in and out like fucking chess pieces <laughs> if they would have do that instead of like murder on the nile it was like disaster on the nile samuel l bronkowitz presents right see that would be fucking rad you have yeah. a bunch of a-list stars in a b-grade movie well that's what you get kind of with twister yeah because when the best part of that movie is not point not only pointing out the flying cow but the fact that's oh that's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's that guy from, you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's all of those. And it's also the late, great Bill Paxton. Of course. And I, we've mentioned it before, you know, regardless of what part of your film he is, whether he's the main, in, you know, the main ingredient or just the subtle ingredient. He's that spice that makes oh. everything nice. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Now, uh, if you're not in the Kansas City area and you would like to support Screenland from afar, you, you can do that uh, a couple of ways. First and foremost, you can go to ScreenlandOnline.com, where they do have a number of films that you can rent from them directly, or you can become a member of their film family by going to Patreon.com slash Screenland, where amongst the many perks they have to offer are a little bit of a watch party that we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called the Shutter Shoutout. In fact, our next one is going to be happening on Saturday, May 28th. Now, it's TBA, as you per usual. However, the caveat, we know what we want to do. We just need to make it work. Because if we can get all of our ducks in a row, this is going to be a special one. It's it's tune in when you can, but mm-hmm. this one you definitely this want to one do. you're gonna want to watch absolutely. Now, of course, the the films that we're gonna be watching will be streaming on Shutter, but by becoming a member of their film family, uh, you're gonna have access to this exclusive content that we put together. So it's almost like we're right there with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a customized pre-show, uh, an introduction where Genius and I give some context and uh, information to the films, vintage trailers for each one. And then, of course, <laughs> oh, the post film yakety smack. <laughs> we have to process <laughs> what we take in. <laughs> now, of course, all of that is available and so much more at patreon.com slash screenland. But genius, mm-hmm. if we're talking uh, Patreon and film family, he bellies. We have our own little weird corner of the web, our own little film family going on a Patreon. And in fact, if you become a member at this point, we actually just released. A commentary track mm-hmm. for it's appropriately enough. It's on. We're releasing this on Friday the thirteenth, and we put out a commentary so you could listen to a Friday the thirteenth on Friday the thirteenth. This one went in so many different unexpected places, which is appropriate given the nature of the An movie. Unexpected film, yes. And it's not part three at this point. Mm-mm. I don't know if that's going to be the. I know the last one we're going to do, and you can listen to that, but 
we sat sat through and thoroughly enjoyed Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, yeah. The, the final, final Friday. <laughs> little body swapping uh-huh. went on there. As a little some, hidden hidden in Camp Crystal Lake. Some some tangents went on and then some. Then, of course. <laughs> oh, money, Jason. Yes. <laughs> as if Tiny Candyman wasn't bad enough. <laughs> now old, you have old money, Jason. And if that's not intriguing enough, uh, you can definitely hear a my thoughts on a number of first time uh, watches over at Panic Fest, and should give a shout out to a number of our members of the film family. Oh yeah, that we saw out and about panicking. We ran into a bevy of you. Uh, so shout outs to Julie, Bobby, JT, Dustin, Chad, Jesse, Carly, and Andrea. You guys. Mm-hmm. What are they? They're fucking rad. I'm hoping you all had a good time because they were, and we just saw them in and out of the movies because so many films that, you know, we were taking in at that point. Oh, and shout out to the horror club, Frida and uh, Diana. Diana, and for coming out and helping out too. And shout out They're to- fucking rad. Shout out to every single person that came out to the Panic oh, Film Fest. Oh, absolutely. And whether you were there in person or whether you were virtual- You made it the magical time that it was, and it truly was a magical time. It really was. It really was. Now, if you would like to join our film family, it's really easy to do. Just head over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead, where we have every tier from a squidly diddly to another time- Another place. And- as the sausage is being made, uh, this is kind of almost a hangover yeah. Panic Fest episode. Mm-hmm. We are going to do a Panic Fest recap episode proper. That's going to come next week. Uh, ideally, we're going to have a couple of guests to come on because they, I think, pretty much saw everything <laughs> that was available that weekend. Uh, now, that being said, we love to say that at Panic Fest, Memories are made. Oh, memories are absolutely made at Panic Fest. And there's something even better when I get to see a memory happening, a memory being made in the moment from afar. It's incredible. And thankfully, this weekend, we were very busy as always. Yes. We were were Visa. We were everywhere you wanted to be. But what was really nice was I didn't feel overwhelmed for the first time in quite a while. Right. Because we got to actually... I probably took in more films this time. Than we have in past. Yes. There's been past where the whole Panic Fest, we took in two movies because we were hosting, yeah. right? This time we actually had a chance to like sit and chill and watch. And that was, I think, added to the magic because like it was a lot of fun. And I think, I think them balancing it out like that made it fun for everybody, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm sure, shout out to Tim and Adam. Oh. They are probably dead to the world right now and of course everyone at screenland armor that was working to make sure that every person there absolutely had a good time and that's the thing i'm pretty sure based on the attitude the air of the vibe i'm just hoping everybody tithe well at the church oh hopefully yes you know yes make sure they're taking care of us let's take care of them absolutely That, that goes without saying now that (laughs) <laughs> the main thing, though, in terms of memories being made, a couple of th- moments happened, and <laughs> some within the theater. I'm still like fucking riding in the clouds on like a lot of that memory shit that we've been going on. A lot well, of good stuff. Well, it's the funny thing though is, if any of you know us, you know I'm not social. Uh, in fact, my apologies if I made anyone feel uncomfortable. If I was uncomfortable at all during the weekend, because that hits me every now and again. And then I'm sometimes too social. 
So my apologies of that. Again, it's a good balance, though. Right, right. right? That being said, there's stuff that happens afterwards. And much like Avatar, you are my avatar to what's happening at the After Hours party. And Saturday night, after the 9.30 (laughs) screenings and 1 and 2, there was an After Hours party and a little karaoke action. Now, of course, uh, being on brand, I got bubble guts and had to leave like halfway through the last screening of the movie. And I was hoping upon hope that you yourself would make it out there because I think if anyone knows you, knows you're not shy about karaoke. See, that's the thing. If it wasn't karaoke, if it was just like a regular meet and greet at the bar, because it was a long night. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was we weren't leaving the theater until about midnight. And um, so then going out and about, if it was just like drinks and going out and hanging out, I, I think I wouldn't have gone anywhere because we can have drinks and hang out at the show. You know what I'm saying? So why go to another thing? But when I heard it was karaoke, when I heard it was a karaoke party, I was like, well, you know, I don't I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should go. I was like, OK, I'm fucking going. Well, and to set the stage, then I come back on Sunday morning. And Adam lets me in, and we're getting everything set up for the day. And he's like, oh, he's like, have you heard? And I'm like, about the bird? was like, what's going on? He's like, Jay came in and saved the night. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, we were doing karaoke. And he's like, no one was signing up for anything. And you could tell people were nervous, and there was just stammering going about. And and now now his words, when he said, he's like, you know, Jay came in, and uh, he... He, he started singing immediately, and then once he started, man, people were lining up, and we had this long, and everyone had a true. good time. Now, in my mind, as he's telling me this story, all I can imagine is just, I see this bar of just people just, like a bar full of me's. <laughs> uh, sad sacks. Oh, this is just not as fun. You see Adam up there struggling, not knowing what to do. I just imagine you... And I don't know if you kick the door in or if the door just blows open regardless because of your presence. Like fucking Desperado. (laughs) And it's like 1230 at night, but yet there's a beaming light behind you. And they just see the outline of this individual. (laughs) Then the frame of the door. (laughs) And then you just stroll. You saunter. You you make your way over. And you yourself, I know you have a particular song, a go-to. And I have to assume that's what you opened with. Am I correct? Oh, absolutely. Now, that being said, that's in my mind. How did it really happen? You are not far off, dude. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. I don't I can't stay to the state of I can't say to the state of the bar because I don't know. Because what happened was when I heard there was karaoke, we it was me, Dustin, and Katie. And we all rolled together because fuck it, it was like a couple of blocks away. Why not? So we rolled up there. I walked into the bar. I asked somebody, hey, where's the karaoke? They're like over there. And I just kind of made a beeline straight to I didn't. I don't think I just said hey to anybody. I was like, just kind of waved as I walked by. And like Adam's like, hey, you going to sing? Are you here for karaoke? I'm like, fuck, yeah. He goes, what are you singing? I'm like, total clubs of the heart. He goes, you need a few minutes or you're ready. I picked up the microphone. I'm like, ready to go. Let's do this. Right. He goes, oh, give me a couple of minutes. I got to pull it up. Right. And so. Next thing you know, like, hey, Panic Fest, how's it going? You know, I'm going to sing a song for you guys. And like, every now and then I fall apart, right? And I'm like, and I do the I do the dirty version because it's, it's me. And like I was going to say, if anyone has not seen Genius Deuce, you are, you're gifted, man. Like, you are an entertainer through and through. 
and also a pretty good voice. <laughs> well, I think it helps breaking the ice when somebody starts saying, I fucking need you tonight. Forever's fucking starting tonight. Right? So, like, you can't, and I sing loud, as you, as our listeners now know, who probably just had to turn down, like, God damn it, genius. Right? So, like, <laughs> there have been moments we've been out and about where you get loud. If anyone noticed, I will shrink <laughs> to match and go, oh, no, genius is getting excited. See, that's the thing. That's the problem when we're, we're, we're both, about, like, balance, because we work well together. We balance each other's scales. And so when one scale gets tipped on there, you know, so it works. That's why I was sleeping that much better at that point, because I was at home <laughs> asleep. I'm like, oh. Babies don't sleep this well, and you're just belting out, just- <laughs> right? And so then, sure as shit, as soon as I search, as as soon as I go up there, next thing you know, boom, 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 right? And so I'm like, I'm gonna put my name down again, right? Because I figure, you know, why not? Next thing you know, uh, Adam and Pat are singing All Star in like thrash metal ways, um, fucking. <laughs> Uh, the, one of the girls from Revealer is singing Madonna. Oh I mean, God. like oh everybody's fucking Jesse. Jesse came out. I ha- I was trying to find when we were talking this song. I can't remember it. It's on the tip of my, sorry. It's on the tip of my tongue, but fucking great. I mean, I almost stood up and applauded. And like, for me, like applauded karaoke. He fucking killed it and i can only imagine that mustache probably only enhanced it as well right and his had his hair flowing and shit oh and my you know God. what he had the whole he had the whole crowd singing with him and from a person who's had that before because like my next song was baby got back and like i didn't even need the teleprompter that much and i fucking hit every word i didn't you know until the only part that i fucking stumbled on that because i started fucking twerking in the middle of it i had to stop and catch my breath because it's been a minute since i shook that much right now i i know they weren't ready for this jelly i fucking wasn't ready for that jelly so i had to miss a verse or two just so i can catch a breath but fucking because you know i go into it i fucking i got motions and actions and dances and shit i put on a if you know if i'm, I'm gonna put on a fucking show if i'm there to put on a show are you not entertained right i'm gonna start because i used to karaoke dj too so i know that's what you need to do to get the karaoke party started you'd have to do that first so i was like fuck it all right boom i ain't afraid right and then the party had a good time and then just like after about an hour just like you just disappeared just disappeared okay so you we were talking off mic is this the first part of the metamorphosis into a Rodney Dangerfield esque kind of character. I'm kind of hoping so because I just want to like, hey, who cares? It's a party. Next thing you know, any way you want it, that's the way. Because that's the song that I equate with Rodney Dangerfield. So maybe like a filthy version of Total Eclipse of the Heart is my like, turn around, bright eye, you know, and just like, well, so. Thank you, good sir, because then the next day people were talking of the performance. Well, I had a fucking ball. And no no thanks needed. No thanks needed. That's like, that's our genius. Uh, but that a memory made right there, definitely. Absolutely. Now, that being said... That's we not were... the only memory made with, like, singing this weekend. Oh, no. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, in fact, we were lucky enough to host a couple of Q&A slash I'm going to call one a process, actually, because it wasn't so much a Q&A. A bow-bow? Uh, a bow-bow. All of you out there, you know what we're talking about. But no, up first, actually, was on Friday. We were lucky enough to, to number one, you talked about John Pat is showing up. 
Robert showing up. Uh Sarah showing up. Right. It was great seeing everybody in person again. It was almost the entirety of like the black mold, you know, cast and crew crew, that were there. The stylist crew. Those members of those members of the film family, seeing them there and then not realizing that Revealer was shot by Robert. Mm -hmm. Production designed by Sarah, which means the van was probably out and about there as well, possibly. And it looked great. Oh, and it, it looked... Of course it does. Of course it does. But I knew nothing of the movie. So. Me neither. Just the synopsis. And I was like, well, you had my attention. Now you had my curiosity. And anytime you basically pit a nudie booth dancer going up against a puritanical protester mm-hmm. in a post-apocalyptic slash rapture setting, but it is more of a character piece? Absolutely. I'm I'm all in. Yeah, me too. What we say was assault on Pete Booth. Pete Booth thirteen. Uh huh. More like uh, the horror apocalypse. Well, we'll talk about it yeah. in, the, in this next clip. Yeah, but so, yes, assault on Peep Show thirteen. So this is our Q and A of the U.S. premiere of Revealer. Uh, this was a blast, and a, a little birdie has said this might not be the last time you hear them here on the show. Yes. So uh, take a listen to the Q and A we did with the cast and crew of Revealer. That was Revealer. What'd you guys think? Hell yeah, that movie was rad. So, Panic Fest, please welcome back to the stage the demented minds that gave us Revealer, Luke Boyce and Michael Morisi. <laughs> but, uh, oh man, the, 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 the microphones are... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. And not only do we have the writer and director, but we have actually the two main leads here with us tonight. Please we welcome Shayna Struten and Cato AC. Yeah. Give Woo! it up for Angie and Sally themselves. We, we also have, Re- is Ray here? Ray's here? Absolutely. Come on down. Come on down. If you are part of the making of this movie, come on down. You guys were fucking awesome. Thank you. You guys are great. Should we scoot in? So, what was it like making this movie? Because this movie is wild. (laughs) Yeah, so, okay. So, we... So, this was a very interesting project. Um... We decided to do it after everyone was kind of had some, you know, cabin fever from the quarantine. So I think it was like maybe May or something like that. And we were talking about, you know, can we make a movie in, in during COVID? So this is May, I'm sorry, May 2020. Um, and we had this idea to do a script where originally the idea was, hey, what if we do a thing where the two actors don't actually have to interact, right? They're separated. So that... The idea of, oh, we'll do it in a peep show, right? One's in, one's in one, the other. That'll work out, obviously. Things changed a little bit, but um, that, was kind of the, that was kind of the idea. And then we, we shot it for 13 days on a, a whole one set. So we basically got this, built this, built this entire thing um, on a set, never left the whole crew quarantined together for the entire shoot. Um, so nobody, everybody was either in their hotel rooms or on the set. And we had this whole thing set up where people, you know, were, you know, had stations that were like 
every person in the crew had a, like a, a station 10 feet away from someone else. So it was very, very strict, very strict, because we were kind of like, I think we shot it in end of July 2020, so mostly in August. Yeah, yeah. No, we didn't know anybody who was making movies at that point. And we're just like, let's try it. But we didn't want to make a we didn't want to make a pandemic movie. Like we didn't want to make a movie about the pandemic or that had something about the pandemic in it. We just wanted to try to make a movie using the restrictions that we had, which was not as much interaction and you know, and we had a very, very small crew. So, you know, a lot of people did many jobs, you know, more than they probably should have. Um, doubled up, so yeah, we just tried to keep it as lean and mean as we could yeah. to get it through. So it was a very, very oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this was a very, very unique and cool movie. It was like a horror apocalypse version of My Dinner with Andre. Because <laughs> yes. Oh wow, that's like the highest compliment you could give me. <laughs> because you, your main focus is just two Woo! people stuck between a right. wall, but yet. You guys kept it engaging. You guys kept it emotional. Thank I mean, you. there was a part where you were talking about your your man, David, where I was like, yeah. <laughs> so my question is, two diverse and very different spectrum of characters that meet. How did you guys get in the mindset to pull off Angie and Sally? Um, well... Playing a character that is wildly different from myself was interesting, first of all. So getting into that mindset was a journey. Um, but I don't know. I think just having somebody that playing off of that is incredibly supportive and, like, the entire environment was so safe. It was just, even though she is so different than myself, was easy to lock into because I felt so taken care of and um, supported with Cato. Yeah, yeah. Um, I second every every bit of that. Um, I I said even today when we were all kind of hanging out having coffee, um, I turned to Shane and I was like, I don't I don't think we would have had the film that we had had we not had the relationship and the support of each other and having each other's back throughout that whole process because it this this film is is that dynamic and is that whole journey that both of them take individually and as as a as a couple as a coupling in this in this path um so that was phenomenal um also it wasn't that hard for me to get into the mindset of angie um i've done burlesque for like 10 years now and um i'm a huge sex worker stripper advocate um and it was like great uh i've the when sarah Casey so am i which is what sucked <laughs> Um, when Sarah Casey uh, was like, hey, I have an audition for you. It's a stripper who kills demons. I was like, sign me up. She oh. signed me up. <laughs> well, one thing we love is the idea of collaboration and everyone bringing a little bit to the piece. So first and foremost, I often hear, write what you know. So, hmm, do we have something we need to talk about here potentially in terms of background, what have you, but let me ask you this. What did you all individually bring to this film to make it as memorable as it is? Michael, let's start with you, good sir. Uh, I mean, the ability to write quickly, I think, was <laughs> first and foremost, but... Um, yeah, they, this was written in eight days, basically. Wait, so written in eight, shot in 13? Correct, yes. We still had, like, nine days of the month to go. Shot in 13 <laughs> days? Yeah. No shit! Yeah. It was supposed to be 12, but we somehow gained an extra day, so. It's luxurious. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I don't know. I mean, one of the things, so this is, unfortunately, my co-writer, Tim, uh, couldn't be here tonight. He was supposed to, uh, ran into some difficulties. So unfortunately, uh, he'd be able to, if he was here, he'd be able to speak to this as well. But, you know, something that's big for Tim and I is um, that we worked on through our career. We come out of both of us writing comics. And one of the things that's important for us in what we do, specifically in comics and now in film, is like having a really particular voice, you know, and having like an actual like character to what you're writing. And I think that like we let ourselves like just be in our work and we've done that through just through maturation of being writers. So like when we sat down and we've always wanted to do something like this, we're like, let's just write the things that we love and kind of like our personality of funny characters and horror and, and strippers and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, uh, we didn't. Have, we only had like eight days, so we had to just kind of just go to the wheelhouse and just see what happens. And this is this is what it was. I mean, we were lucky too. I mean, we had a lot of great people around us, like like Luke, like Rob, like Sarah. You know, all, a lot of like great voices that helped us shape this in a really short amount of time. So it's a credit to everybody to what this ultimately became. I didn't write nothing, so I don't know why he gave it to me. But I will say that what they did write for Ray was just funny. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't read it without falling out and most of the time, and, and I don't smoke, believe it or not. So I got sick a few times and he didn't I'm care. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that kind of brings me to another question. Um, this movie is funny as shit. I mean, like everybody has funny, funny lines. You had some great funny lines, but uh, your line about chuds and HBO, <laughs> fucking had me rolling. So my question is, how much of that was in the script and how much of it was like, hey, this is my character would say, improv, a little bit of, how much of that is, is that? Uh, I am internally grateful to Mike and Tim and Luke for letting us uh, completely fly off the rails at times where he would just be like, we're going to roll and you can say whatever you want. Wait, wait, wait. So let me ask, <laughs> who came up? Was it the crew? Coos Brews? Coos Brews. Coos Brews was written in there. Okay, okay. That's yeah. I think that's that was a Tim line. Oh, that's a very Tim line. <laughs> well, I, I don't... Is it a Tim? Yeah, that's a pretty Tim line. <laughs> Mike is like, oh, yeah. God. And, and Chud, is a, Chud is a Tim line, Chud for sure. A lot, of, that's, a lot of that is Tim. Tim's humor is very much that. Um, it comes through, I think, pretty clear in that. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. Laid, they laid a really good groundwork and, like, beautiful lines and let us go a little bit here and a little bit there, but it's it's... 99% them. <laughs> well, I'm also curious, what was it like just in terms of the intensity of those acting scenes? Because you, you brought what could be just these crazy broad caricatures into characters that we really care about yeah. in the journey there. So what was that? Because there are moments where you're covered in blood and viscera, yet we're all having these moments with you. So what did you bring in terms of adding extra oomph to the gore and all that kind of good stuff? I think that was one of the first things that we talked about with Luke when we sat down is, um, you know, the, the script itself, it, it, it's very funny, it reads very campy, it's obviously, you know, this fantastical thing, but we sat down and we were like, we have to have these characters be grounded in reality, they have to believe what they are doing, they have to believe in their jobs, in their goals, everything, otherwise we just go off the rails into camp, and that's, that's not what we were trying to convey with this, there is a lot of heart behind this. Yeah, and I think that I think that goes along really strong with with Mike and Tim, um, and, and we we've talked a lot about it. Our philosophy is that you know I think 
you know, I, I love, I don't think there's anything wrong with camp or anything like that. I just think you have to, you have to be really earnest. Like for me, I'm, I'm mostly attracted to movies where even in, even when they're absurd or ridiculous, like the scenario in this, you care about the characters, right? And you care about the situation. And I think that actually makes it in some cases more funny and easier to get into. And so like earnestness for me is like here, right? And that's, 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 I think the main, and that's, Michael and Tim all the way. So, and I will also say too, is anybody here familiar with Tim's comics like Hackslash or Revival? Let's show hands. So I think, yeah, right? So like Tim writes, Tim writes these women and they have like this very specific voice and, and I've been working with Tim for a while and I knew like, I knew that the, the key to Angie was someone who could like read Tim's words because they read like like Cassie and Hackslash. She talks a certain way. When you read her on the page, it comes out. And and I I think Dana in Revival is a good example too. Um, and a lot, almost all his women. So when I first heard Cato, her audition, like we I think I looked at like sixty some audition tapes and like instantly, she just had that. She had the tone. She had the voice. She had the Tim voice down. <laughs> and I knew that that was key to that character. So. Right? Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, who's listening? So, this is a very, very pretty movie for being oh. as grimy and gory and like set in a filthy, like peak show place. It was very pretty. The set. Hey, 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 that's my business. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, some of my favorite places are filthy. So, <laughs> no. no judgment. No judgment. No, but everything looked so, uh, they were shot well, the sets were beautiful and everything. But it looked like it was a very intense filming. Yeah. So uh, whether it be writing, directing, or acting, what was the hardest part of the entire process? Mm. Sure. Um, I think just, uh, yeah, the intensity of, of, of the short amount of time that we had and the hours. So we were, you know, going from hotel to set to back to hotel to set and just, you know, at one in the morning showering off blood and sweat and everything, which was very satisfying. Mm -hmm. But um, I think the physicality of it too was, was, um, was rewarding but challenging, just like really long physical hours of, you know, beating through a floorboard and crawling through walls and um, uh, jumping down into tunnels. I think it was physic physically taxing, but Again, showering off the blood and being like, yeah, I got a new bruise today was, <laughs> I don't know, like, I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I have to give it up for Rob Stern, who is our DP, who's right there. Um, it looks beautiful because of him. He's one of the best DPs I've, I've not just worked with, but actually seen in real life. Like, just, I'm just a huge fan of his images. He did the stylist, which we all know, I know. Um, so... You know, a big thing with with Rob and I, one thing we've kind of figured out is, you know, at first when we were writing it, we're like, oh, hey, this will be great. This is like a tiny little single location film, right? Oh, this this will be easy. And then we got in there and we're like, oh, shit, this is an 8x8 box. How do you shoot an 8x8 box for at least an hour and make it interesting? You have, I mean, there's not a lot you can do. So 
we like we chalked this thing out and then we kind of rebuilt like this you know we kind of built the the booths and and just rob and i would just walk through the shots to just figure out what are the different ways we can shoot in an eight by eight box and actually make it cinematic and it kind of took us a little bit by surprise because you know it seems like it should be easy but it's actually quite the opposite and that was i think one of the biggest challenges for me was just figuring out the booth stuff and hopefully you know, hopefully it kind of, you don't even notice it, which is kind of the goal, that it just flows, so. Anybody else? Um, you know, it's funny because when I think about ch challenges, I, I was only there for a few days on the set, so I didn't, I wasn't there the entire time, but, you know, everything that I thought of, like, that I can look back of is think of as a challenge, it doesn't feel like a challenge because, like, we love what we we're doing so much. Like, um, like I mentioned, like, I, I come out of comics and doing that, but I have like a deep love of cinema. This is what I've always wanted to do. And I remember during the process, what started as a challenge, like Luke and I would be on the phone <laughs> after like Luke was shooting for like 14 hours and we'd be like on the phone till like two o'clock in the morning just trying to problem solve. Cause like things in the script we would discover or Luke would discover like, we just can't do that, <laughs> you know, like in the time and space and can't set fire to the booth and like, you know, like all these like really realistic things. But like in that moment, it was like us just solving problems. And like, this is the first time Luke and I had collaborated together and we like discovered how good collaborators we are and how much we love the same things and love doing this. So like all the things that you can look back at is like, yeah, that was a challenge, but it was also like us like learning a ton, like learning how to collaborate and like encountering these problems and finding really better solutions out of them. So it was just such an awesome process to like figure this stuff out. Well, one that actually reminds me, one of my favorite problems that we had, which when I watch it, it you don't even notice it, but um, we figured out when we were in the tunnels that in the script, at one, you know, in, in, in with the movie, you're, you're shooting out of order, right? Well, in the script, Angie has shoes <laughs> and a crowbar, I believe. Wait, do they have a bag? And Shayna has, at one point, a lantern and a map, or one of you has a map and a. It, there's so literally something in props. every hand. The props game. And well, and at first there was multiple things, and then we have to pick up the map, and we have to pick up an axe, and we just realized that in the script we didn't realize that we had written all these the shit in their hands so like we had RPG to literally figure out like 50 items yes wow. we're like okay we have to figure out how to get stuff out of their hands but like they still need stuff you know sally needs an uh, axe to cut his head off and they need the land so like there's moments where she throws the shoes you know and that was our <laughs> just like get rid of them you know like why would you be carrying your shoes anyway so yeah that was just like a weird problem that we had to figure out at one point because it really is divided up into like distinct moments of favorite pieces. My first day on set was the three of us, Rob and Luke and I, figuring out 
the strip scene yes. and how we were going to shoot that. Choreographed all completely by Kato. Um, yeah, and so our, that was my first day on set was like working that all out, and I'm really grateful to them because they were like, this is going to be a closed rehearsal. We're going to figure this out and have that time. But we spent, I think we ran it like seven to ten times through because we were getting angles this way. We were in the booth. We were around the booth. We were up, and there's a person here. And uh, that was my first day, and I was like, oh, this is movie making. Um, so that was fantastic. Also, any of the scenes that we really got to play with each other, both in, in comedy and like getting to, like the Coos Brew scene is like still one of my favorites because I think it's just both of us have such funny bits to it. But also there's just an immense amount of sincerity that comes in that again, I think that both of us have that relationship with each other that we could play really well. So I think those, when we started to get into the meat of those more emotional scenes, that was where it was like really getting into some deep satisfaction as an actor. Yeah, I agreed. I think, um, like, technically, yes, chopping off the head, I was like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> like, just some slow-mo axe cutting. Um, but, uh, yeah, like Cato said, any time that we got to just kind of commune as these characters and bring that heart in, like what we were talking about earlier, was just, it felt like we were kind of pouring a little bit of ourselves into it. So it, like, I felt like we were putting our handprint on it in like a really special way. So like that will always um, stick out to me as a special time. My mine was dying. Mine, <laughs> I'm being, I have one rule when I any, any movie I've ever been in. I have one rule: I don't die first. <laughs> he killed me three times. <laughs> I didn't die first. I died second, third, and fourth I, in this I, movie. Yeah, I, I, I have to. He didn't die first, though. I always remind people. I said that. The televangelist dies first. Right. He dies first. Yeah. Then I die. Then I die again. Then I die again. Then I die again. Correct. I'm good. I'm, that's how I like it. I'm good. Not first. <laughs> Come on back. <laughs> so before we throw it off to the audience, what's next for you guys, aside from the hack slash move? Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Tim would love to know that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Scare package too will be. Yeah. Woo. Catch me in the the cold opening. The revenge of Brad Chad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just wrapped production on Black Mold with Woo. these lovely people, directed by John Pata. Yeah. Yay. Woo. Uh, I can't say. I have uh, two other movies coming out in the next 30 days, Bloodthirst uh, with Lionsgate and um, Lockdown with Lionsgate. Both are being released by Lionsgate Films over the next 30 days. Um, like Luke, these questions may be connected. Uh, I also can't say. <laughs> awesome. I'm sorry, I apologize, I'm, I'm sorry. So let's say anyone out in the audience, questions, comments. <laughs> Dollar bills, y'all. Throw them down. Yeah, there you go. Oh, there we go. Right in the front. Decision to put it in the 80s. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, ease of problem solving. Um, if it was current day, you have cell phones. 
uh, and you have all that sort of stuff of technology that would have made it so much harder for us to navigate them. You know, a lot of writing, and, and Luke, we've talked about this a lot, is just storytelling is just problem solving, is giving the characters one problem after another to solve and solve and solve, and you reveal stuff through that. But like, the more ease you have in solving problems, the less conflict you have, and the less tension you have, and the less you can do. So you eliminate those those things, which, I mean, if it were the apocalypse, I don't, I don't know that cell service would really be that great, but, yeah. <laughs> well, but like, I, still, we just didn't want to have easy, way, easy ways for them to get out of situations. Yeah, and, and, and Tim and I had been talking a while about, um, we're always really interested in the idea that we're always joking, like, what we want to make stories where, or we talked about making stories where uh, you're like, okay, so, like, the satanic panic in the 80s, what if they were right? Right? Like, what if, like, what if, they're what if they were all just right, and then the apocalypse, like, the rapture happens? And, and so, and I think Tim even, he had a great comic book idea of this, but we kind of recycled for this movie. So that was a big thing with the 80s, and also the fact that there aren't really peep shows anymore. Um, that's sort of a relic, I think. Um, not at least in this way. So that was a big thing as well. And just, we love the 80s. I mean, I would prefer to just, you know. Yeah. So. It's a good question, though. All right. Well, sincerely, right. listen. Thank you. We understand, number one. It takes a miracle to make any film made. Thank you. Yes, it for does. To, for it to be an entertaining and great film is even a bigger miracle. So congratulations yes. okay. to every single one of you absolutely that have worked on this film. fun movie. Yes. Yeah. Panic Fest, give them one more round of applause. The cast and crew of Revealer! Thank you so much. Yeah, of course, of course. They will be, uh, I believe, talking to people out in the lobby as it is. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you all for the second awesome day of Panic Film Fest. Uh, we've got so much more coming up, including on Saturday, Mick Garris and his fine mane of hair and the 30th anniversary of Sleepwalkers. Surf 2 with Joe Lynch. And, of course, Shakespeare's Shitstorm with Uncle Lloyd. Hopefully you all will continue to panic with us. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. We'll see you this weekend. Another memory made, possibly? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that movie. I really did, too. Yeah. That was between, because that was then kind of kicking off. Uh, we actually, beforehand, we had just watched Bitch Ass. Mm-hmm. Which and, was... And Crabs. And Crabs. Well, we're going to get into all of that, but a good way to kind of kick off just these new films. Uh-huh. And honestly, it was just kind of, the ending of that movie was spectacular. I, I liked it a lot. Very Hellraiserian too. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Legion, mm -hmm. no Leviathan, Leviathan. Excuse me. Now, the last clip we have here was our process processing of a little film called Surf Two with our with a good old buddy Joe Lynch. God uh, bless Joe Lynch. <laughs> and there's a talk of how the this film came to to find its way to Panic Fest, but a few years ago. Uh, we were lucky enough, Joe was kind enough to come on, and we did a live show at Panic Fest where we talked uh, hardware. Mm -hmm. And during that conversation, I had a moment to watch you make a specific memory where you and Joe, kind of out of the blue, and I, again, the nature of our show, I don't know how the hell we, actually I do remember how we got to Short Circuit 2, <laughs> <laughs> but the best part though is when Short Circuit 2 hit, you guys 
had the Los Locos moment. Because Los Locos kick your ass. Los Locos kick your face. Los Locos kick your balls into outer space. It's Los Locos. And when you guys started doing that, I watched from afar going, this is nice. <laughs> it's just a moment. with a, a, a moment shared with one Joe Lynch. So we go to Surf 2. Joe Lynch introduces it with Adam. Talks about you know how they came about to this movie. Um, in the crowd... You just see, again, going it's, back to, like, auras and stuff, you just see this white, luxurious aura, just like, it's like genres Gandalf the Grey. Just this wizard of, like, genre films. Uh, Mick Garris sitting in with the crowd as well, and that mm -hmm. is important because, again, and I don't know if it's maybe the proximity to one Joe Lynch at this point, but there's a, a moment in this processing that genius starts singing, and I don't know if we pointed out during this or if you can hear someone, but someone else is singing along with you. Yes. And to say another, and I realized what was happening. I'm like, I, genius is probably losing his mind. Right I am now. in the. I'm just freaking out. I'm like, yeah. is this really happening? Is this? Am I doing this right now with this person? This is insane. It was wonderful to experience. So thanks to Mick and Joe and uh, Becca for this as well, because then the Surf Two screening itself is nuts and needless to say uh, if it gets here in time if i have to postpone the next uh, backyard movie night new york ninja in surf 2 uh-huh could be a lot worse on a double feature oh yeah so uh check this out our talk with joe lynch concerning surf 2 friday night front but to talk to you about this wild ass movie we just saw we're gonna bring over you a man who needs no introduction but we're gonna give him one anyway because he pays us um <laughs> A man who has brought a tradition, a Christmas tradition to my house. It is not Christmas until Salma Hayek beats the shit out of a sadist and a masochist. Yes. Please, help me introduce the one and only... It should be noted, Joe Bob Briggs' nemesis. Uh, <laughs> Joe motherfucking Lynch! Everybody stayed. That's great. Uh, thank you guys so much for doing that, uh, to, for sticking around. Because, uh, man, I didn't know how that, that was going to work out. Um, you know, again, it, it's one of those movies where, like, we've all had those Friday nights where you, like, get all of our friends, get some booze, get some other things, uh, and just want to watch a movie, and, and a fun movie. And when I saw that, when I saw this, thank you, Becca, uh, it was like, I need to gather as many people as possible. And... You were all here with me, so you made you made a dream come true. Yeah. I'm sorry. Never. Now get on Letterboxd and give it four stars. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and I, I don't know what the hell we're gonna say here, because okay, first and foremost, I didn't realize how many times I was gonna have a Rick Dalton moment with so many like random '80s characters. There was so many like Rick Dalton moment. You know, like it's funny how like the, the cast is amazing. Well, and I don't know how many of you people out there were like, going, hey, it's Terry, Terry freaking Kaiser. Terry the Tear. Bernie himself as the dad. And I don't know. I don't know if it's him sans mustache, but he just doesn't seem as powerful as an actor without that sense of facial hair. Sexy AF. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did anyone notice those high cut jean shorts? It got really hot in here every time he showed up. Yeah. 
<laughs> and Greg is a guy who is a very uh, jean short aficionado. So to like really like throw Check him his off Instagram the feed, it's crazy. Oh yeah, it is. Now I would even say beyond that, just looking at it, it looks like it's like it's a Mad Libs done by, as you said, someone on Demerol. And it, yeah, it, it shows. It shows that the script they're all hopped up. What's funny though is that for a day and a half of, of a, you know, the effort put into a script, it's got some really funny lines in it. Yeah, it does. Well, they're mobile uh, time. Beat my kids like I don't know them. Yeah. I'm using that one. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, so, you know what, what sucks is that the, the one thing I forgot to mention uh, before we started the movie was I wanted to do a drinking game where every time you hear bow bow, like you start drinking, like, right? You know what? Use that for Spider's movie tonight. Like, the, like there's a lot of bow bows in Allegoria, you know, so just drink a lot during that. But uh, yeah, like, I don't know if that's quite the catchphrase that caught on with the, the, the popular, popular culture, but uh, it could start today. Yeah. Do we have any surfers in the house? Let me ask you this. Was this an authentic surfer culture movie? No, we're all landlocked. That's true. That's true. I shouldn't have even known. Let me ask you this, though. I grew up on surfing movies. So, like, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, are you kidding? My life has only been better because of films like The North Shore. Dude, I was just going to say, that's my favorite surf movies, North Shore. Dude, we're not Howies, are we? Howley. Howley. Yeah, I'm Howley. My favorite movie's North Shore. Yeah, I really screwed that one up, right? I turned it that one up. I would even go as far as just extension of surf culture. I was just always one of those kids that just thought it looked cool, but I realized... I was more of an Eddie Beeson than I was an Eric Stoltz. Professional nerdlinger, one of the best nerdlingers of all time. It's how? I mean, it's Eddie Beeson. How? Let me ask you this: How many of you know Eddie Beeson personally? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. How many? Hey, everybody. Yes. 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 yes Mick Harris, everybody. Of course, Mick Harris. I was gonna say Eddie Beeson showing up in Critters right. Two by far is one of my favorite things. I mean, like. I just want to go up to him and be like, hey, little buddies, come gather around. This is the very best thing in town. Hungry heifer is the place to be. Let's make good. You can take it from me. So, no. Eddie B's never played. We were hoping you would just keep going with that. Try a bovine burger, some buffalo chips, and wash it all down with a moose shake. Lick your fingers and smack your lips. Suck four hours on your fingertips. <laughs> We won't give you a monster. Yes! That is absolutely. You have one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. You have one of my favorite Easter movies yes. of all time. It's my King of Kings. Yes. Nick <laughs> Harris, you truly are the King of Kings. <laughs> and now we're gonna watch Curtis too, everybody. Yay! God, I wish. Uh, and any piece of double feature, I would be totally down for that. Did, did you guys ever see um, I Want to Hold Your Hand? Oh. Have you, have you guys seen? Mick's make, make, here all night, everybody. <laughs> we're all the deep cut, we're all deep cut references. If you haven't seen uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand, it's uh, Zemeckis' first movie that Spielberg produced. And that's where he saw uh, Eddie Deason for the first time, right? And that's why he cast him in 1941. Also, how many people have seen 1941? Uh, <laughs> next year, next year we're doing 1941. Yes, it's a little on the expensive side, uh, but Eddie Deason, you know, has just kind of cornered the market in the lovable, affable dork for a very long time, and then did a. I mean, he's been doing voice work f forever. Uh, Polar Express, you know, he's great in that. Um, 
I don't know if anyone's ever said great and polar express in the same <laughs> sentence. Sorry, that movie sucks. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, and this is actually Eric Stoltz's second movie, his first being uh, Fast Times. And then, you know, got, you know, sweeped up or swept up in the Zemeckis, uh, that, that little movie called uh, Back to the Future, uh, which obviously, um, you know, he started shooting and then got replaced by some hack named Fox. Um, I will say this, um, one of my favorite Eric Stoltz's performances, and unfortunately uh, the, the, the writer of the film is also here to give me a lot of dirty looks, uh, but I loved his performance in The Fly 2, uh, which if you think about it, he finally got to play since he's a character named Martin and he turns into a fly. <laughs> finally, he finally got his wish to be Marty McFly. It's a full circle moment. Sorry, Mick. I'm so sorry. Works for me. But yeah, and then uh, Rand, uh, Randall Badat, the guy who directed this, um, only film. No. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> Shock of shocks. Uh, because you know the movie uh, did not uh, was not met with uh, much critical reception. Clearly, not as much as it did today. You know, um, I'm sure somewhere Randall's like scratching because he's like someone's talking about Surf too. Uh, because it, it really didn't um, have much of an impact when it first came out, uh, and then recently uh, the, the New Beverly showed it a little while ago, uh, and it's been kind of gaining a cult momentum ever since. And I do recommend uh, the director's cut. Um, that's the one that's on Vinegar Syndrome, too. Uh, it's 10 minutes longer, because <laughs> I know you all wanted that. But no, what's funny is that it's a significantly different cut. Um, whole scenes are rearranged. Uh, not as much boobs, but unfortunately, you know, well, no, I should say fortunately for all of you, knowing our audience, Panic Fest, you wanted the boobs, so we had to give you the boobs. And it's honestly what we were hoping for, and I think what we got is a little equal opportunity nudity, first and foremost. Why I don't know Harry Manass. A lot. <laughs> I don't make it Harry Manass. By the way, the uh, the uh, quote unquote fat guy number one, did you guys recognize who that was? Fred Asparagus, Joe Mama Besser, the drummer from Spinal Tap, also the bartender from Three Amigos, also in Hal Ashby's Six Way to Six. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Eight million ways to die. Yes, oh, and he you. was also in um, Night Court when he was like, "You dishonorous Dan Dan Fielding." John, <laughs> I'm gonna take your word for it. Yes. <laughs> this becomes who can out reference who and who can out IMDb, which is usually what happens. Uh, well, what? another thing you brought up: the music was amazing, oh. and anytime you can oh. have a random ska band just appear yeah. on your movie, oh. I was waiting for like, did you know how to ska? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the music supervisor who did this, you know, as, how many filmmakers are here today? You gotta raise your hands. <laughs> really, are we the only Three. Music supervision is an art form. Uh, you know, it, it's one of the things that I think, you know, Karen Rackman from the 90s, Happy Walters, uh, a lot of these film, like these um, really great artists who kind of are the way station between the filmmakers and the, uh, and the artists themselves. It's not easy to do it. A lot of times, it's the publishing rights, or even just the artists. You know, want to be either involved or not involved. Um, you know, the '90s was such a great time for music supervision because you had Karen Rackman who did all of Tarantino's movies, Happy Walters who did like the Judgment Night soundtrack, for example, or Spawn. Um, it's it really is an art form to get it right, and the uh, the music supervisors for this 
you know, when um, Randall was putting this together, you know, you had this confluence of new wave, pop punk, post punk, and surfing music all together. And I mean, you look at the soundtrack itself, it's, it's insane, you know, and you would never in a million years be able to have a soundtrack that has both the Beach Boys uh, and Oingo Boingo in the same <laughs> breath. And, and there's an original Oingo Boingo song in this as well. So, yeah. Hold me back. Yes. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank I'm, you. Thank you, Surf Two historian. That's just that's what I'm curious, actually, about how like. And I know you're not on mic or anything, but was there a big pull like for this kind of a film? Because like before, I never knew it existed. Genius. No. I, I mean, like I was thinking. It should be like Rhonda Shear and Gilbert Gottfried hosting it. <laughs> or, or maybe yeah. even like oh, if it was during this. the day, like right. Commander USA. Yeah, potentially. Oh, this is a groovy movie, big yes. time. Yeah, this is absolutely a groovy movie. So that's why, like, when I'm like, I've never even seen this movie, and I used to love groovy movies and, and you up all night. So, like, the first time I'm like, I'm ready to see this. I don't know if I was prepared for the sheer Mad Capri. And you gotta respect a movie that ends in the Benny Hill style with the quarter of the Oh, of course. <laughs> And, and again, it's, it is one of those movies. Media entertainment. You guys remember media? Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, God, I loved it. Media was like, any, when I would go to the video store, I would look on the side of the VHS box and go, oh, well, if it's media, then it must be good. <laughs> the results varied, but it was one of those movies that um, got kind of lost in the shuffle. Uh, it was pre-sold at uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Yes, this movie was sold at the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> uh, uh, but pre-sold, let, mind you. It, it was actually called Surf Death, right? It was like Surf Death, the movie. Uh, and then the uh, wife of the director was the one who said, you know what this needs? It needs something else. It needs, how about Surf 2? And they would shop it around and everyone went like, well, where's Surf 1? You know, and became a bit of the joke that nobody got. Uh, it's a joke that you know Mel, Mel Brooks tried to kind of capitalize on when he announced Spaceballs 3, The Search for Spaceballs 2, which I just thought was genius, never got made. Uh, but, and, and then it got, this is one of those movies that just got lost in the shuffle, and then one day, Becca does um, uh, special features for Vinegar Syndrome. That's doing the Lord's work for and, us. Uh, yes, thank God. And, uh, and again, I, I get lucky. Like. The best feeling in the world is coming home and like, oh, what'd you do for work today? Oh, I just got a quick time for dead heat. And like, oh my God, it's going to be the greatest night ever. Uh, but it ended up that night being Surf 2. And I remember hearing about it, but also going, I never saw Surf 1, so who cares? And just realizing like, this is one of those movies that more people need to see. And that's why you have companies like Vinegar Syndrome and Shout Factory, uh, Imprint, um, all these great companies that uncover all these uncut gems, I guess you will. And, uh, and and now that the special edition, by the way, I'm not just plugging you, uh, is uh, f- festooned with more special features than Miller's Crossing on Criterion. So. What a day and age we live in. Yeah. When you can get a loaded Surf 2 disc that like puts to shame any high cinema we have out there, but quite honestly, if you're here at Panic Fest, if you're here for this, this is high cinema. In fact, Probably the highest the highest the yeah, being higher. Now that your edibles have kicked yes. in, yes, it is the highest. <laughs> so, question out of all of you out there: How many of you had those moments where you were just looking and going, "What am I watching?" And how lucky am I to be watching it here with it? Good. Yes. 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 And what was many, it? And how many of you were grossed out by that eating scene? Oh, <laughs> like all the food. Oh, oh, oh the mayonnaise. 
the uh, the surf Nazi or surf Nazi. <laughs> they're kicking in, folks. Um, no, the, the surf punk uh, who was uh, Jocko. Uh, do you guys remember him? Uh, recognize him from Tom one Villard. Tom Villard from One Crazy Summer. Oh, he was one of the Stork Brothers. Yes. Actually, who was here for our last Nerdoween? Did you guys play one? We play We play popcorn. Oh, yes. popcorn. Yes. That's another one that people all of a sudden have been like, "Have you seen popcorn?" I'm like, "Bro." <laughs> I saw it opening weekend. Like, Sleepwalker is also playing tonight. Just, I, I had to do the plug. Also, and also after that, Allegoria is playing tonight. Oh yes. Uh, but that's the beauty of when you have movies like that that sometimes fall between the cracks as they become pocket movies. They become those movies where you're like, oh my god, like I can instantly connect with someone when you're like, have you seen Surf 2? So you're welcome for all those conversation starters that have that, that are going to be out there when you're going to be going to the clubs or the bars or wherever it is. Be like, Surf 2 rules, bro. There's going to be that one person in the background who's like, bow, bow. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So, Genius, I'm curious. You've got, like, a laundry list of notes. Was that just... Everyone needs to go pee. You right? No, I just wrote down <laughs> two to shower. I wonder what Buzz Cola tastes like. Killer pussies and the mighty dildos. Um, I just love how punny everything was. This almost could be, It's like, one long dad joke. It is. Yes. It's almost one long, like, early Simpsons yes. movie. Mm -hmm. And I just ate that shit up with a spoon. Well, I, what like, I want to know is, how many of you know who Ruth Buzzy is? Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, I know well, all of us that have experience know that, but you know, I'm talking to my younger crowd out there that may not go, Ruth Buzzy? What, just, okay, so Ruth Buzzy, yay. She was hot. She was? <laughs> she, <laughs> yes. When she's not bashing people with like, you know, accessories, mm -hmm. she looks good. Uh, we also got Corrine Bonner? Yeah. Bonner, the blonde? Bonner. Bonner, thank you, Katie. Bonner. Who, I, I, for me, she is that girl from Joysticks. Yeah. More importantly, that's right. She also dated one of the Stork brothers. She was uh, Bobcat Goldthwait's love interest in Police Academy Four: uh -huh. Citizens on Patrol. Yeah. <laughs> Show hands. Wow. Or I want to throw it out there. Which, which is the which is the best Police Academy? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Beach. Oh, I see a four. Oh, who oh, said Miami Beach? Beach. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So I'm going to have to go with Citizens on Patrol. Yeah, I agree with that. It's not bad. You've got Tony Hawk. you got David Spade back in the day. That's right. And more importantly, you got the that... The big guy from, uh, from uh, what was it, Wildcats? Mm -hmm. Dude, Wildcats? Wildcats. <laughs> Another pocket movie. Uh, Mick uses it all the time. <laughs> when I'm looking to get lucky. <laughs> you like Goldie Hawn movies, lady? <laughs> So other thoughts that you guys had? Yes, they were any questions about this wild yes. ass movie. How about the unabashed use of bad wigs on the surf doubles? Those are your <laughs> wow, that's one of the things that uh, has been the unfortunate sub effect of when you watch movies on Blu-ray or when they get uh, remastered. Is you can see that a story. lot of times, like filmmakers are going like, "Don't worry, the the film will <laughs> hide it." And now that everything's being remastered, like. Has anyone seen Flash Gordon oh. recently? Oh, yes. oh. See how people go like, oh. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's hard to watch because when you clean up a movie so much, especially like going from a 35 millimeter print to 4K now, it, it almost takes away all of the imperfections that were hiding the strings, the bad makeup, 
some, we can't really hide bad acting, but 4K doesn't help the cause. Um, but yeah, like what was funny about this was the print that we watched today was pretty damn scratchy. So it almost felt like the sort of thing that you pay for now on After Effects when you were like, yeah, let's give it the old grindhouse effect. Right there, like you got it all right there. But quite honestly, it adds charm yeah. to a film like this, and then even like a theater certain, like this. Well, you know, especially and well that moment in the theater when that dude was surfing down on the skateboard. I'm like, shit, why didn't we do that? I'm like, why, we was the teacher teacher like that why was the teacher and the principal at that event? I, I, why not, right? right? I guess principal daddy. Yeah. Levon Little, like oh. so good. And how many of you know Cleavon Little? Oh, come on. This is a discernible question. Okay, there we go. Well, no, again, we've got some blank looks out there, which means, um, should we recommend Blazing Saddles, or should we? Absolutely. Well, I, I, I watched it for the first time last year, and I saw it with people who are also seeing it for the first time. Were you one of those dudes who was like, canceled? Movie's so canceled. No, but I saw people in the audience like, you could see their soul leaving their body. We saw it at the New Beverly last year, and there, there were gasps yes. during the movie. And like, it's it's funny how movies are being judged on the same like cultural purview as films you know like like film older films you know um, as they are today, and you have to take into account that a lot of times movies are time capsules. They're made in the moment for the moment, and unfortunately, um, and I think again this is due unfortunately to the fact that you have great companies out there that are remastering movies to make them look as good as they should, like almost as if they were made yesterday. Sometimes people think that they were made yesterday, and they start going like, did, pardon my friend, did someone say retard? And, you know, and then immediately canceled, oh, that, I'm, get, I'm getting on Twitter right now, you know, like, and, and trying to cancel films, you know, like, which is, it's unfortunate, but as long as people recognize that they are older films, it's it's no harm no foul because you're gonna have a lot of that tonight at Sleepwalkers. That movie is <laughs> it's gonna be canceled as fuck by the end. Well, we we like to say another time, another place, and it's all about the context with everything. Yes. Because quite honestly, I was afraid for a certain f bomb to throw up, show up here in a late '80s film with surfers. Classy, they didn't do it. I was right. Wow. Yeah, I know. I was like on eggshells. The R word I can handle for the most part. The only person I ever heard that was on eggshells during surf too. <laughs> There's always one. There's always one. Other thoughts? All right. Um, well, I, That's it, folks. Thanks so much. <laughs> that means I know we do want to kind of wrap things up. We, um, we actually, if you're interested, we're going to be doing a live podcast game show down at the VHS bar. If you are interested, you this is going to sound shady, but you got to go around to the back. To the back door. And we will have the beat So you're advising us to take the back door entrance. As always. As always. This is Panic Fest. Come on now. And head down beat. All, all ports are good. <laughs> thank you, Mick. Thank you, Mick. So, guys, thank you so much. Do you guys have a good time with Surf 2? Thank you so much, guys, for coming out. This is a dream come true. A whole year of me going, like, we got to watch Surf 2. And I got to do it with all of you guys. It was like the best Friday night with pizza and without Joe Bob. Fuck that guy. <laughs> That, that, by the way, everybody who was involved in that, thank you so much. That was amazing. What I don't tell Joe Bob is every time he says my name, I masturbate. <laughs> but we don't, he doesn't like to hear that very often. Uh, 
So for those of you that were in the front row, you did get the Gallagher treatment from behind. So yeah. <laughs> we're handing out tarps. That is good. So sincerely, thank you all for going out. Thank you, Joe, for this. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Becca, Definitely check out Allegoria tonight. I will be there doing the Q&A with Spider. And also, if you want to see something amazing as well, Mick Garris is showing Sleepwalkers. Should be totally noted. recommended. Also going to be hosted afterwards a Q&A by our friends at the night. They're on Film Street. That's uh, right. Uh, Film Street's here. But seriously, guys, thank you all so much for Thanks, going guys. out. Get on out. Enjoy yourselves. And on the game show. And hanging tin. I, I thought I thought for a second we might hang more dong than hanging tin. Right. Possibly in this, but we did get the hairy man ass. We got a lot of hairy man. We got John Asparagus hairy man ass. Something for everyone. Even the little one in the theater. That that is some street cred down the line. Oh yeah. That's the like Joe Lynch said, that's the uh, Dawn of the Dead in the age of three. That spider's little girl. Mm-hmm. Surf two Surf at two. age of at Panic Fest, at, a, at the small theater in Kansas City. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I'm glad we all had a chance to experience that. It was just so much fun. Now, that being said, those were just some of the movies seen and memories made. There was a lot more that happened. Bum steer. That weekend. God damn, that was great. You, I, get, I have no idea what it felt like, but I can tell you what it felt like to watch it happen and I'm to know. S- I'm still fucking beaming from it. I mean, just like... That was that movie was on the magic mixtape. That movie was the Showtime free weekend. Like my fucking no holds barred UHF and Critters too. I hold those movies so near and dear. And to be able to do that with the man who made his wife yep. wrote the song yep. and the jingle. He said my wife will appreciate that. Oh my gosh. I'd like to think Mick Garris walked away with a memory. I hope so. You know? I'd like to think so. To know how much a little jingle can like stick with a person. Yeah. It, it means something. It truly does. It truly does. So we had a blast this weekend. So hopefully you all had a good time as well. Now, our next episode here next week uh, is going to be our Panic Fest recap which we are definitely, I'm going to share, we'll share our thoughts on all the films we watched. Mm-hmm. Ideally, we do have two guests we're going to bring in. Uh, it was wonderful to see them, so I'm hoping we can make this happen. Uh, but, you know, we've got a lot coming up as well in the, in the summertime, uh, especially over on Patreon, so check everything out. So until next week, my name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Yeah.